Good morning, y'all. Um, my name is JJ. If I haven't met you, uh, it's nice to meet you, and welcome to church. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a. Do you guys remember how to like get through the holidays without getting sick? It's a, it's a new thing. We haven't had to the past few years. We've just kind of all been back to reality. So um, yeah, prayers for people. I know there's a lot of people that even help us serve every week that are just not feeling good this week. So. Um, be mindful of that as you're cruising around and uh, over these next few weeks. Hey, I would love to uh, open up the Bible with you all. So if you have a Bible with you, um, would you open up to the book of Luke, chapter 2? If you don't have one, Caitlin talked about our app. Um, There's a lot of different Bible apps. We have a church app, and and you can kind of follow along scripture that way. We'll be in Luke, chapter 2. And then we're also going to put the verses on the screen so you can follow along. But uh, today's uh, message uh, is titled The Joy of Christmas. That's so original, don't you think, for this time of year? There's a message called The Joy of Christmas. You know, I would love to look at the joy that God has for Christmas. We often look at Christmas from our point of view. I want to look this morning from God's point of view, from the Father's point of view, and how excited He is and how much He loves. The Christmas season, because the reality is this. No matter how much you love Christmas, raise your hand if you love Christmas. No matter how much you love Christmas, God loves it more. This is God's joy of Christmas. So um, let me pray as we open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. So Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for those awesome songs. I've been waiting forever to sing the drummer boy at church. And um, that was fun. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you for this city. Thank you for the time in which we live, Lord, with all of its complexities. We thank you that all of it kind of has brought us to this place this morning where we can be together with you and with others. And so, Lord, we open up uh, your word this morning. We also open up our hearts and our homes, and we ask that you would speak right directly into where we are, and that we would leave here today knowing you better, and maybe knowing some others a little bit better. So we love you, Lord, and we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a few texts. We're going to a couple of texts we're going to look at this morning, but in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one, I'm going to read through to verse twenty. Says this In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canarius, however you say it, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. From the town of of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Betrothed means the the best definition would say married without without having physically consummated the marriage. So it's kind of more than engagement. Our best word is engagement, but but um, basically basically married. 
betrothed, he was with child. She was pregnant. And while they were there, the time for her, the time came for her to give birth. And she, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths, and lays, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. We've heard this before, maybe? And in the same region, verse 8, there were shepherds. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I can't read this part without hearing Linus. You know what I'm saying? I was going to pause and say, insert Linus. Um, It's just awesome. Okay. They were keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That verse is underlined in my Bible because it's awesome. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is just an amazing sort of overview, 30,000 feet flyover of the things surrounding the birth of Jesus. The circumstances that surrounded Jesus' birth. You know, another word for circumstances surrounding someone's birth would be nativity. So when you see a nativity scene, that's what it says. This is a circumstantial scene. This is what was happening. Now, I love this because when the shepherds arrived... They, in a sense, were the completed piece to a puzzle, that, a scene that God had foreordained long before around how he wanted Lord Jesus, who came in the form of a baby, who arrived the most humble way possible, born in a barn, were you raised in a barn? Yes. Um, but in a sense, they were the completed peace to this scene and so I want to look at this scene from God's point of view the first Christmas party was a birth party I don't know about you but it's not typically the party that you want everybody coming to I remember when Ollie was born he's the new year's baby my youngest son he was the first baby born January 1st 2011 Ollie's birthday is 1111 
easy to remember. And um, when he was born, just a couple hours later, all of a sudden there was multiple people in our room, and uh, we ended up on the one of the pages of the paper the next day. Steph looked great. I looked like I got run over by a train. I don't know what happened. And um, all disheveled, you know, he was born at four something on, on uh, New Year's Day uh, in the morning. But all of a sudden, there was a lot of people coming into our room. And uh, we didn't know that the New Year's baby was a thing, but other people did. So I'm just thinking about this scene and what these, these shepherds felt when they walked in. What was it that they walked in on? What was it about this place, this thing that had happened that made the heavens proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased? Whom he has pleased. You know, this, this term that this angel spoke, probably Gabriel, spoke to the shepherds out in this field. We sing about it at Christmas, glory to God and peace on earth. You guys know this word peace? It's awesome. It's actually, if you trace it back to the Old Testament, this is where we get, if you've heard the, the term shalom. Shalom, when we think of peace, we think of um, the absence of conflict. We want a world with peace. But the biblical term for peace in its fullness doesn't mean absence of conflict. It actually means wholeness, completeness, well-being. So when people would greet each other with shalom of God, or, or, or give the, a kiss of peace or bestow a greeting. It's actually a, a wishing and a, and of, of wholeness for a person. It's not the absence of conflict. It's this beautiful term of completeness and harmony. So what was it about this picture that God the Father, as he looked down, found so joyous? Well, I think the thing that we need to look at is the lowest hanging fruit on the tree, and it's the people that were there says the shepherds walked in and there was Mary and Joseph and this baby and that was it so what was it about this well let's look at each one of these people see what the Lord would have us because he's very particular he doesn't do anything on accident so they walk in and there was this young woman who had just given birth we know her as Mary we get to look back on this and tell stories and it, it becomes very familiar almost so much so that it, it can feel common but they walk in there's this young woman who had just given birth that's what they knew about her those shepherds but they didn't know her story if you flip back just a, a half a page before in uh, Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 26 listen to this little bit that we're given about Mary now, in the sixth month, the, age, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name or the, the girl's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There were high expectations upon the child that she was to have. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how could this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will overtake you, come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, re your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Listen to Mary's response, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the servant departed, or, and the angel departed from her. A young woman. Imagine being the one chosen to deliver the promise of hope to the world. What was it about this young woman that brought God so much joy? I think so much of it, we, we know so much of her. We'll meet her one day. We'll talk to her. But there, something in her response, it was so beautiful. And it was a simple faith. How can this be? Since I have not even physically been with the person but what God wanted to do wasn't from a person. It was from the Lord, and this was for all people. And her response of faith, a young woman full of faith, handpicked by God, a woman who probably lived by these words. You ever have words that you live by, things that you say? Some people would call it a mantra or something, but you say to yourself all the time, the best is yet to come. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. She probably lived by these words, because it would have been a time before she became pregnant, because if you follow the story, she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, and, and, and then all of a sudden she finds out, you know, as a, a young woman does, when do you actually know you're pregnant? Your body changes. You start to feel, you know, they didn't, I don't think they had pregnancy tests back in the day. It's just you start to, it's like, whoa. But she probably lived by these words. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And then she would speak these words over herself. said, let it be to me according to your word. Mary's response, I think, is the embodiment of this shalom, this peace from God. Because part of what shalom means is a freedom from worry. See, when you experience peace in your heart, you know that you don't have to worry. Even though you don't know how things are going to turn out, you know that you don't have to freak out about it. And you can just keep moving forward, and God will lay things out for you. I believe that Mary's faith brought great joy 
to God. And I believe that your faith brings great joy to the Lord. I think that when he looks, and he doesn't see this, this huge faith, but this simple faith that says, I'll keep going. Even though I don't know how this is going to play out, I'm just going to keep going and say, behold, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And that brings God great joy. As a matter of fact, for those of us in this room that would like our lives to bring joy to God, you know, faith is what the Bible says, brings them joy. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, it's actually impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seeks him. It's not how much you have, how long you've been a Christian, all of those things. This young gal in this place was handpicked by God to do a specific thing, but so have you. And as you respond with a simple faith, I believe this Christmas season brings God great joy. Second person in that room as they walked in, they see this young gal, and they didn't, they see this other guy, they see Joseph. They just saw this young man, but they didn't know his story. Look at what the Bible gives us for a little bit of backstory about Joseph. I think Joseph is awesome. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Let me read you something about him. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, now she would have had to tell her husband. Uh, an angel talked to me, told me this is what's going to happen. Now in the whole history of the world, she was the exception, not the rule. This, this only worked once. This didn't work ever again after this. And it almost didn't work this time to Joseph. Let's, let's, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, especially in a shame culture. She would have lived with shame for a long time. You know, a lot of Jesus' life, there would have been insults thrown at him. At school, he would have been called, you know, harsh terms by people. Even when he was an adult, he, was, he was, had insults hurled at him. But Joseph was a just man, and he loved Mary, and he didn't want to put shame on her, so he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, he didn't act rashly. He was trying to figure out what he should do. How could he honor this person, even though his heart was just completely ripped out of his chest? How does he do this? And as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. 
what a story. They walk in and they see this young family and this baby laying in a feeding trough and they're in a barn and they're like, oh, this is odd. Who is this young gal? Who is this young man? Joseph, also handpicked by God. What is it about Joseph? I can't get past this word, his obedience. You know, Jesus tells us when he's speaking, he's like, if, you'll lo- if you love me, you'll do what I ask of you. There's this simple obedience. It's a response. His obedience stand out. Did you know that his obedience that we read in just in this little text fulfills two specific prophecies that were given hundreds of years before about this? One of them was he was the one who would be from the line of David. Joseph was from the line of David. When it says, behold, I will send forth my my ruler who will sit on the throne of his father David and rule forever. If Joseph would have peaced out, there would have been no lineage that went forward. It was Joseph's obedience that brought that to pass. It was also, he was the one that would fill what we read about in Micah 5.2, O little house of Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you shall come forth for me one who will be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, even from ancient of days. A person who is going to come, there's Bethlehem, from you there's going to come someone who had no beginning, always has been, but he is going to come through the town of Bethlehem. You know why they had to go back to Bethlehem when the new governor of the, the, of the region demanded a census? It's because it's not where Mary was from. It's where Joseph was from. Now, I don't know about you, but 70 miles, when you know that you're going to give birth any second, is probably not the greatest trip. And then getting to a town and not being able to find a place, whether because the town was full or the news, because small town community, the news of who you were arrived before you did when you showed up. There was like, oh, yeah, there's that couple pregnant out of wedlock, all of the things. So who knows if it was one or a multiple thing, but there was no place for them. People didn't, there was no room for them in someone else's world and in their life. So they ended up out in a, out in the barn. But you know, it was this place where there were barn. You guys know a manger is double term. So they put Jesus in a manger, feeding trough. Um, we see all the pictures of it. It could look all like sorts of things. Now you can go to stores and buy hip little things that look like mangers, but you know they're cool. They but they weren't actual feeding troughs. It also means barn or stable, so it's a double meaning. So it could be a stable attached to someone's home. Could have been something kind of hewn out of some rock, but whatever it was, it was where the animals slept, not where people slept. But it was the house of Bethlehem, or you could say it was the house, Bethlehem means house of bread. So about this little town would actually be the house of bread where the bread of heaven, who Jesus calls himself, would come down. Let me tell you a couple things about obedience. Joseph's obedience and our obedience brings great joy to God. 
It shows trust. Obedience declares honor. It's laying down my understanding for what someone else has asked me to do. It declares honor for this person. I put it like this. Obedience is what we do now that merges us into the path that God has already planned for us. You know, there's this dynamic in Scripture that says, it's in Ephesians, where God says, we are his masterpieces. God doesn't deal in mediocre art. So when he looks at you, he doesn't go, eh. Then look at the person next to you and be like, now that's what I'm talking about. That's a human right there. When God looks at you, he says, that's what I'm talking about right there. I created you. You're a masterpiece. Uh, And it says that God created you and the things that you should do before he formed you. Before anything was formed, before Genesis 1-1, God said, let there be light and light was. There was foreknowledge of you and your life and all that God would have for you. That's called the sovereignty of God. He knows all. He is all-knowing. Obedience is your response to what God asks you to do that merges you into the things that he already has for your life. It's a beautiful thing, and it shows trust and honor, and it brings great joy to the Lord. Our obedience now fulfill God's will, God's will on earth. When we say, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's not like we're trying to change his mind to get him to do that. It's what God wants to do. And when he asks us for simple steps of obedience, it's our way of saying, I want to be in this streamline in my life, in my community, in my family. It offers us shalom because we can trust God with everything. There's a beautiful thing when you can just trust and you don't have to worry about something and you're like, the Lord has it. I'm just going to follow him knowing that he will see it through. Who else was there? Well, there was this baby. They walk in. They were told about him. The young couple were there, but the one that they came to see was this little baby laying in this manger. We know he's the only begotten of the father, Luke 3.16 tells us. And this is what the, the angel said to the shepherds. This will be a sign for you. Not that you will see a young couple, but that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger. This baby was the, was the good news. You know, it says th- uh, the angel appeared to them and says, um, I came to give you a, a good news. We, we translate that to gospel. When it says, go, therefore, and preach the gospel to all nations, it's the good news of this person who is a peace treaty from heaven to earth. This baby is the fullness of, even in its infancy, the fullness of God's love was upon this child. The father's approval, all his approval is on this child. The father's authority, all the authority, Jesus would say later, I have been given all authority. He didn't earn it as he grew later. He had it all from the beginning. He was God's peace offering to the world, and he was the center of the scene. Not just in the, in the manger, the baby campfire, I love baby campfires. When you visit someone and they have a child, everyone kind of stands around like this. Warming themselves, warming themselves by the baby campfire. 
not just at the center of the scene and the manger, but the center of the entire universe. When the shepherds were out in that field doing their thing, we'll talk about them in a second, the heavens parted somehow. And an angel spoke to them, and then they parted even more, and they were able to see what's going on in the universe that is invisible to the human eye. And this was the moment that the entire created order, both visible and invisible, the birth of Jesus was the center point of it all. Now the place the shepherds knew all too well. Maybe not this particular manger, but shepherds knew mangers. And they knew that this was not the normal place for humans to be born, but it was the normal place for lambs to be born. Not a normal place for humans to be fed, but it was a normal place for lambs to be fed. It would make much more sense years down the road when Jesus showed up on the scene and John the Baptist, who Mary's cousin Elizabeth that we talked about, they gave birth to a son. His name was John, John the baptizer, who went before Jesus. And later in life, John would see Jesus coming down the road. He wouldn't be like, look, there's the baby born in the manger. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lambs were born in a manger, and the Lamb of God was born in a manger on purpose. Not just the Lamb of God, but the one who one day would become the good shepherd and lead us in the way of peace. Now I look at this scene, and it trips me out. This nativity scene, I see a young, poor couple simply trying to glorify God in their time with what God has placed in front of them. That would be a good mission for, your, for yourself or your family. Living to glorify God in, their, in your time with what God has placed in front of you and being obedient of what God asks of you. That's what Mary and Joseph were doing. They were trying to be faithful in their time and do what God had asked them. And now all of a sudden, and they do that, and there's this quiet place, and she had been pregnant, and how are we in here, and here's this baby, we're in this manger. Anyone had a baby? You have your child, you sit around, and you do this. What do we do now? I remember that. Now what? I think we feed him. <laughs> now what? You're doing that, and then all of a sudden, a group of shepherds is like. <coughs> shepherds. Men living on the fringe of society. Men who are the embodiment of what it is to be misunderstood by a community. This is a hardworking, you could say, blue-collar group of people that didn't fit many molds. Yeah, they kind of lived fast and loose, you know, when you study. Maybe they drank a bit, maybe whatever, but they kind of lived out. Maybe they were socially awkward because they were always out with their flocks on the mountainside. But they weren't like, um, oh, hey, let's ask the shepherds what they think about this new thing in our town. They sort of were like left out of the, left out of the vote. They didn't really belong anywhere, especially at a royal occasion such as this. They're out in the field, and heavens open up, and 
one of God's messaging angels picks them, speaks to them. So here they are, muddy boots and all. I can't imagine that it was anything but awkward. And the reason makes me think that verse 17, Luke, back in ch uh, chapter 2 of Luke, it says, when they saw this, they made known the thing that had been told to them concerning the child. Because I, I, I feel in my mind, I see they come and they're like, they're looking for this child. God says, go. They see there's this child in, in, a, in a manger. They're like, yep, child in a feeding trough, walk in. And it's like, hi. An angel spoke to us tonight and said that we should come here. You know, I promise we're not like here of our own accord. We were invited by an angel. But here's the deal. They were invited. They were the people that God said, first, you're invited to come see this thing that is for the whole world, but you come first. I think God, they brought God so much joy in the fact that they responded to his invitation. You know, there's a hundred reasons why they shouldn't have gone. There's a hundred reasons to not respond to what you feel God is, the king of the universe who created all things, who gave a peace treaty in his son and asked you to place your faith and trust in him, who does things like join a Bible reading plan with some people from your church that you could hear God's voice more, that he is going to invite you to do stuff. There is something in that simple responding to an invitation that makes the heavens happy, that brings joy to God's heart that enters your life right now in 2022 Christmas season into what God has been doing since the beginning and what he's going to continue to do where the here and now merges with the forever. Responding to the invitation. Their arrival completed the picture of who God wanted present at the birth and arrival of Jesus. These are the people that we talk about every year. So as we, as families and people of the bridge, as we intentionally slow down this year, because that's what I said last week, I think is the most important thing about Advent. The word for this week is joy in the four weeks of Advent. We're talking about God's joy. But as we intentionally slow down and we think about shepherds in a field, a young couple saying let it be to me lord as you say uh, a young woman saying that a young man just being like i want to do good with my life and god said don't be don't be afraid this is from me i'm using you to do this thing so as we intentionally slow down my prayer for everybody that i'm looking in this room today is that your home wouldn't be wouldn't be filled with um We'll just put it this way, that your home would be filled with shalom, would be filled with wholeness, fullness, completeness, God's joy. This is what's awesome. Here's our takeaway. Where there is simple faith, where there is faithfulness, where there is humility, where there are simple gatherings of people around Jesus, there is great joy in heaven and peace on earth. That's doable. Regardless of how many presents are under the tree, 
regardless of whatever Christmas has been for you in the past. So I'm here to tell you today that there is good news for all people, including you, even if Christmas has been a hard season for you in the past. But there is good news for you. It was given to shepherds a couple of thousand years ago. And the good news is this. I'm here to tell you that there is for all people, there was born in the city of David a Savior who is Jesus our Lord. See, he's the one the nativity scene revolves around. He's the one the world revolves around. Um, you could say he is the reason for the season. That is so corny, but it is really true. He is the guest of honor. And here's what's a trip. He has invited you and he has invited me to be part of what he's doing. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing this song. As we sing this song, we're going to make up for the fiasco that Rory caused last week. <laughs> you know, I was, I mean, he's not even here today. He's just hiding <laughs> at home. No, we're going to, we're going to sing this song. As we're singing, we're going to have some people come up. They're going to pass out communion. And then I'm going to come up, we're going to lead, and we're going to close the, the service today taking communion. So would you take the bread and the cup, and I'm going to come up. I'll talk about what they are, and we'll take them together to close service out. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the simple people that you wove into what could have been. You could have done things so much differently. There could have been a royal decree and a, and, a, and a baby in a palace could have been born and only a select group of people could have been able to come and pay homage. Yet you brought him in the most humble way. But yet you brought him with such royalty and we'll talk about next week that you brought actually royalty to come and travel and bow down to the humility and the simplicity and the humanity of the king that you wanted to bring forth. And the fact that you would choose common people to interweave into your story of redemption, of, of kingdom of God coming to earth, of making things right, of, of making a way forward for all people, that you would choose simple people like us to be a part of that, it's humbling, Lord. But it is something to step into with great joy. So we love you. We thank you for today. We sing this song in response to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys go, go sit with your family. Let's do this together. Or your friends. And if you don't have any friends, just sit by yourself. It's right over there in the corner. take communion together would be good you know the last two verses of this whole deal it says and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them talked a little bit about wonder last week and God counsels our hearts with wonder
his bigness, with his vastness, with the grandness of his love and the, how good he is. They wondered what the shepherds had told them. It says this, but Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I think that's a great uh, verses to take communion to because in a sense that all these people were invited into this thing. God invited them into this thing. Mary to be a part in this way. Joseph, the shepherds. But in a sense, there was this invitation to trust God, to be obedient to God and to worship him. And there's something about the shepherd's story that people carried with them. So maybe in this season, you could, in the, in the intentionality of having a rhythm of slowing down, you could remember God's invitation to you and how he, he has invited you into. That's what communion is, you know. When you take communion, it says remember and then proclaim. You remember what God has done. The bread is, is Jesus' body. The, the cup is Jesus' blood. You remember that he came to earth to show us what God is like. He died to, to offer forgiveness for sin, and then we step into this as a, as a response. So maybe we could remember, and then we could share that story with someone. The shepherds just shared what God had done in their life, and it says in all of these people, it, it made a difference. So I don't know what, what it looks like for you with friends and family, but I'm believing that there is someone that as you share just the simplicity of what Christmas is and who Jesus is to you this season, that it would make a difference for someone. And it doesn't have to be flashy because God loves simple. It doesn't have to be all this stuff or God loves um, the regular. And so... May that be just our encouragement as we leave here. So can I pray? We'll take the bread, and then I'll pray, and we'll take the cup, and then we'll, we'll be done. Father, we thank you for this morning. And um, you tell us, Jesus, it was not on this night when you were born in a manger, but some 30-something years later when you sat around a table with your followers. And, and you said this was the reason that, that, you, that you came into this world. To, to show us by your life what God thinks, what, how God acts, how God responds to people and treats people, and, and that what you came to do was, was to show us who you are and then make a way for us to be with you forever. So we thank you for everything that you have done and for who you are. And we just remember that this season with our families and all of the different things, but with Christmas, that it's about you, Lord. So we remember now who you are and how you chose to enter this world and the people you chose to surround yourself with. So we love you, Lord. We take this bread in Jesus' name. And um, it's hard to think about this next part sometimes because there's nothing more innocent than a child. And there is no child more innocent than God in human flesh, the only sinless person who ever was or ever.
ever will be. Coming, living a life we couldn't live, dying a death we didn't deserve so that we could have shalom, peace, and heart and spirit and for eternity. So Jesus, we thank you for your love so much so that you laid down your life for us because you love us. Not to be a guilt trip, but to provide an invitation that where you are, we would be with you forever. So we proclaim, Lord, your death until you come again. We are in between Advents. We remember the first, we look forward to the second, and we take this in Jesus' name. Can you hit the lights, Tom? So God bless you guys. We're going to end right there. As you go out today, may your Sunday be uh, a good time with friends and family.